So this is the idea of local authorities putting what are called buffer zones around abortion clinics. So people are allowed to protest, but a certain distance for the purpose of about 250 yards, you cannot go as close as that. Well, I'm, I'm sounding like a crack record here, but I'm going to repeat myself again. Do we love each person, even those we disagree with? Jesus said, love God, love your neighbour, love your enemy. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of About Abortion. Uh, Dave Brennan here and I'm joined virtually by Tim. Tim, thanks so much for calling in today. Good to be here, Dave. Good afternoon. Hello, everyone. And uh, for those who uh, are familiar with our work, we've been um, doing a series of podcasts really exposing the reality of abortion, analysing what's been going on in our nation, and in particular, looking at the, the part that the church has to play. Uh, in that and what the church has been doing and hasn't been doing over the last 50 to 60 years. Um, Tim, for those who, who are not familiar with you, just give us a little introduction of yourself. Who are you? Where do you come from? What do you do? Sure, Dave. So, so my name's Tim, Tim Lewis. Uh, I've been working for Breath Off since, um, since autumn, really, last year, uh, just in a, in a part-time capacity, but it's been great to be involved. I'm the church network and theology lead. Uh, that's my grand title. Um, Previously, really, I was involved in church leadership. So in, actually, potentially relevant to this debate, I was in Anglican churches. I was a curate and a vicar, uh, and then in, uh, latterly, in an independent church. But sort of a few years ago, 2020, really, I also began doing a PhD uh, part-time in biblical studies, looking at developing a uh, biblical theology of the unborn child. So it sort of nicely dovetails into what I do for Brefos. So that's uh, what I'm up to these days. Great, fantastic. And you're available to speak in churches, especially in the north of England? Abs absolutely, yes, yes. Do do email me, tim.lewis at prefos.org. I'd uh, be more than happy to to come and speak at your church on this issue. Brilliant. And so, um, yeah, so to your, your experience in the Church of England may well be um, helpful to us because today we're asking the question, where does Justin Welby the Archbishop of Canterbury, stand on buffer zones. Okay, where does Welby stand on buffer zones? Now, um, just give us, uh, Tim, would you give us just a real quick uh, overview of what is a buffer zone? Why are we talking about this? Uh, we're going to be going into more detail later on, but there are going to be listeners out there, maybe they've never even heard of this. So what are these buffer zones? Yeah, sure. Well, when we say buffer zones, we're talking about an area around abortion facilities um the, these particular buffer zones are 150 meters radius so it's quite a significant area really um sort of if you, if you like you think of the abortion clinic in the middle it's a circle around it 150 meters uh to the center um and and it's an area really where the government have deemed it not appropriate and as we're going to see actually criminal to be within that zone that area uh with the purpose of um offering information, offering support, uh, influencing uh, the decision of people, women and girls primarily, uh, but also staff at these places, entering uh, these zones on their way to an appointment at the abortion clinic. So any kind of offer of help, of support, of, of, of maybe showing them a picture of the child at a certain stage of gestation, or just saying that we're praying for you, that is that is what her, these these bills have sought to stop happening in fact criminalize thank you tim and as we're gonna no doubt um be 
discussing later on, even silent prayer uh, has been uh, or is being, well, it has been in some places criminalized. So just to clarify for folks, there are a few areas um, where this has been the case through a sort of a, a PSPO or other kinds of sort of local council type bylaw sort of, you know, not national statute, but just um, local um, rulings. Uh, so first, I think it was Ealing and Twickenham, uh, and then Bournemouth, Bristol, you know, so sorry, not Bristol, Birmingham. Uh, so we've had a, a, a few uh, crop up, but now there's the push to make it national. And that's what's going through um, the Houses of, of Parliament uh, just now. I think it's currently still with the Lords. Um, and I think it's uh, heading off for its third reading, um, which is, I think, more or less a, a formality. Uh, that's that's my understanding. We're waiting, yeah. we're waiting the third reading. Yeah, so so they, the PSPOs, again, there's lots of acronyms. That's the Public Space Protection Orders. So, again, seeking to protect uh, public space from nasty pro-lifers like me and you, Dave. Um, <laughs> but, 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 yeah, so, so the PSPOs were quite explicit in banning prayer, and, and, and we saw the case of Isabel Vaughan Spruce, for example, being arrested for silently praying in her head, you know, and this is where it all gets quite 1984, because it's like, and actually, wherever you stand on abortion, it's like, well, this is this is crazy. This is, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience It's all under attack here. Um, what what? But the PSPOs, which are very local, and as you say, quite only five or so in the country, what the government is proposing is to essentially replace or or incorporate those local um, sort of locally agreed things into this nationwide ban. So 370 odd abortion clinics would now come un, un, under this uh, buffer zone legislation. They, they don't get the choice to opt in. They just assume that this is what they want. Um, and it has been slightly tweaked. So one of the amendments that the Lords were debating and, and eventually approved is that the so in a PSPO, you, you could, in theory, be imprisoned up to two years for, for breaking that law. That's been replaced by an unlimited fine, a level five fine. So still very serious. And the, the prayer has, has sort of, it's, we'll see it's the language of influence that, that, is, that is there in a big way. But, but it would certainly cover people praying in any kind of numbers. I think more than, more than two people praying and certainly any kind of signage, any kind of obvious pro-life identification would still be very much forbidden really by these by the proposed uh amendment to clause nine rupert hooks uh clause nine to the pub, uh, public order bill so silent prayer could be back in as in as, as, I as in as in as we a, can smell that sweet air of freedom that we're able to pray silently in our heads once again as long as we're on our own as i, as I understand it dave but you know <laughs> like with all these things the proof is in the pudding and i think yeah. the, these, these things are going to need to be tested and yeah. i think you know you can kind of see where it could go potentially but um yeah yeah okay, thank you well, well we'll come back to those tests later on because I, I actually saw Isabel on on the weekend uh, on Saturday I was I was speaking at a March for Life event uh, with with Isabel and yeah. some others and um so I was able to speak with her a bit about the latest on that and and when it comes to the question of testing the law um it's quite interesting we'll come back to that sort of towards the end of this this conversation but yeah that so that's what buffer zones are and that's what's going on in, in our in our nation um and the question we're looking at today is 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 where does justin welby um stand on that now why are we talking about this this is timely in, in at least two ways so so firstly the buffer zone thing is is very live in fact there's there's news that was breaking just today that we'll come back to later a, a catholic priest is also um having to face court for 
for praying and even for having a bumper sticker, uh, which he already had. Wow. He's had this bumper sticker for months, wow. maybe even years. Uh, but because this uh, the this PSBO came into effect, uh, whatever it was, a few months ago, um, uh, he's he's facing charges, criminal charges, for a bumper sticker saying "Unborn Lives Matter." Um, so uh, so that's that's all that's all happening. So that's one reason we're talking about buffer zones just now. But why why specifically where Welby stands? Well, of course, um, right now as we record, General Synod is um, in in uh well what do we say it's it's happening it's very in session perhaps yeah i I don't know it's 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 ongoing it's ongoing and uh all sorts of issues coming up there but um what we've seen again and again is that on important issues and on controversial issues at the highest levels of the church of england the answer um is so often uh, we don't know or we're not willing to say or we'll try and say two contradictory things at once and that would be bad if that was the answer to buffer zones. But the, the news we've got to break to you today is um, it's actually even worse than that. Um, when it comes to buffer zones, uh, the, the, the usual sort of equivocation would actually be preferable to what, what we've actually got from uh, the current Archbishop of Canterbury. So we're not talking specifically today about what Welby thinks about abortion, important though that is. Um, We'll perhaps save that for another time. Um, But I am just going to play a short video uh, which touches on that because it kind of sets us up for the rest of this conversation as we look at what he has to say about buffer zones. The Church of England has a very clear view on that and had since the 80s. I think the Church of England stance is very clear. Well, I'm not clear about that at all. I think it's relatively clear. There is a variance of opinion and it's down to your individual conscience. Not very clear at all. Pretty clear. Not clear at all. For you, when is abortion acceptable and when is it not? Well, I suppose it's where the unclarity comes in. I think abortion is acceptable if the mother's mental health is at risk. I quite like the line that uh, was used in America some years ago, actually, of saying that abortion should be safe, legal and rare. Each case would have to depend on its circumstances and I'd I would hate to be in those sort of circumstances. Life is not black and white. It's a lesser of two evils. I am against abortion for a simple fact. I'm an adopted child. And if abortion had been available in those days, I probably wouldn't be talking to you now. I think it's, it's an issue that has to be decided individually on its merits for every single woman. Where do you think Archbishop Justin Welby stands on abortion? I have absolutely no idea. I don't know. I've got absolutely no idea. I'd have thought he'd have thought much the same as I did. I have no idea. I have no idea because he wavers from view to view. Uh, I'm not clear. I think it's unclear. It's very difficult to get Justin Welby to give precise answers to questions. Um, I don't know. I think you'd better ask him. (laughs) You'd need to speak to him. You must ask him. You'd have to ask him. You could say they're doing the wrong thing. You could say they're doing the right thing. You could say it's their right. You can say that that the baby has, has rights. There you go, Tim. I don't know if you've seen that video before. I I have, yes. Um, but 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 it's yeah, it's 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 quite shocking, isn't it? But I think it's a it's a fair reflection of of the the level of muddle there is, um, the the lack of clarity, uh, and and on a fairly 
pressing moral ethical issue of our time really where where one would hope that the church the established church church of england would be taking a clear stance as the kind of conscience of the nation and and will be being led by by their archbishop um sort of shepherding the the sheep and 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 you know not not necessarily just mirroring what the society thinks i i don't think people assume that the church is just going to reflect the world back to them but it sometimes seems like that's what we well that's what bishops feel that they their mission vocation is in life really but um yeah uh very 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 troubling to hear and obviously justin welby wasn't exactly crystal on it himself was he and that's that's one of the only i mean i'm thinking there are maybe two or three uh places i've been able to find him speaking about the issue at all you know and and in all three cases because he was asked you know he's put on the spot what do you think about this or whatever only two or three i can find anywhere um uh, and that's that and, and in all of those occasions there is this kind of well you could say this you could say that and let's say a, a, a critical moral issue um I, I enjoy how that video finishes with this kind of crescendo of you've got to ask him and we are encouraging people get in touch with you know write to him uh, people at general synod right now ask him where do you stand um it's it's critical because as we're going to see uh, in the rest of this conversation now um He's an incredibly influential figure, um, not just within the Church of England, but globally and in the national media, uh, in our country. And what he says makes a real difference, as we're going to see. But as we, as we say, we're not focusing specifically on what he thinks about abortion, though that's going to be um, obviously bearing um, influence in what we're talking about, but specifically buffer zones. Okay, now we talked a bit about what buffer zones are. Let me just... Um, go back to the early history of buffer zones in our country uh, before there was this um, concerted push for, for national uh, buffer zones as i say it started really in ealing uh rupert huck the the, the labor mp there a uh, major abortion supporter uh, championed this whole cause and she's been trying to get it to go national really ever since and um a friend of mine uh, and colleague christian hacking um was arrested for for praying out loud um, in uh, in the buffer zone within within the this this uh, prayer free precinct um, uh, a number of years ago, and uh, whereas Isabel's arrest, which we'll talk about a little bit later, was was very carefully planned and and uh, and you know timed and positioned, uh, Christians by his own admission was somewhat more uh, spontaneous. Uh, he, uh, but but you know I, I I think justifiably so. He he got to this spot where babies are being killed. And as he puts it, his his bones just burned and he did what you could only do, which is cry out to the Lord in prayer. And and the idea that he should not be allowed to do that by the law of the land is just is crazy. So that's what he did. He prayed out loud. This is a he's, he's a, a disabled man, by the way. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, there's video footage of him being carried off by the police, um, bundled into a van and uh, and he faced charges. Now, later on um they dropped the case um pretending that they 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 fumbled the arrest and you know it's because the the specifics of the arrest weren't quite right or whatever but but i think really they lost heart and they didn't fancy the idea of being pulled all the way up to you know the highest court level on appeals for arresting a disabled man for praying peacefully um on his own so anyway that that's what happened and i wrote to um to Lambeth, to, to, to the Archbishop of Canterbury, 
um, to ask him to clarify his views on it because I couldn't quite believe uh, what I heard when Justin Welby was questioned on this on LBC Radio. So I'm going to play that clip now of what he said when questioned about this. And then I'm going to just read to you um, really this correspondence I had between uh, myself and, and, and his office to clarify, does he really mean what he's saying here? It's time for one last quick question. Susan in Winchester, I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. If you can put it in a sentence, I'd be jolly grateful. Susan, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, morning, Archbishop. Um, good morning, in Susan. A, in a sentence, do you support buffer zones around abortion clinics? And that really is a sentence. This is the idea of local authorities putting what are called buffer zones around abortion clinics. So people are allowed to protest, but a certain distance for the purpose of about 250 yards, you cannot go as close as that. Well, I'm, I'm sounding like a crack record here, but I'm going to repeat myself again. Do we love each person, even those we disagree with? Jesus said, love God, love your neighbour, love your enemy. Everyone gets caught up. Even I am caught up in one of those, uh, not the first one. Um, the uh, Yes, I do, because people going to a, uh, abortion clinics, um, whatever you think of abortion, they're human beings. You could say they're doing the wrong thing. You could say they're doing the right thing. You could say it's their right. You can say that, that the baby has, uh, has rights. Uh, the Church of England is very clear on this. I won't get into the detail of that because we're running out of time. But the Church of England has a very clear view on that and had since the 80s. But how do we love the people who are going there, treat them as human beings and value and respect them? And that's the extent of, um, of Justin Welby's public pronouncements on the issue of buffer zones, as far as I have been able uh, to find. Have you seen that one before, Tim? That, that, that one I have seen. In fact, I think... Reflecting on it, I don't think I had seen the first video. I'd seen the bits, the clip of it from LBC, but I don't think I'd seen everyone else's reaction. I mean, I have seen that, and I think let me just unpack a few bits from it. I mean, I mean, first of all, it's the most. I, I mean, you really, you really try and you want to be charitable, but but what actually is he saying? You know, this is somehow about it's kind of broadened out into a bland statement about enemy love. You know, as if. As if, again, as if the pro-lifers are really trying to lynch the woman or girl on the way to the abortion clinic. And, and yeah. you know, there's nothing about the humanity of the unborn child that that, that, that their presence is is wanting to draw attention to, uh, to wider society, but also to, to, to the mothers themselves. You know, and we know we know of stories. And, and I think I believe, you know, you've brought these to uh, the Archbishop's attention of those whose lives have been saved because mm -hmm. of because of pro-life presence in these places and, and are here today because of that decision yeah. uh, a mother made at the last moment. So so there's nothing of that. It's this kind of bland, anodyne statements about, you know, loving our neighbour as, as if that's in any way, shape or form controversial, as, as if someone rings into yeah. a radio show to, to, to listen to the Archbishop tell them that. Well, you know, so, yeah. so, so on the one hand, is you know, and I think Justin Welby's got more about him actually than that. I think theologically we should expect more from 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 him than that. Um, so on the one hand, it, 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 it's that just complete you know lack of engagement, lack of critical thinking, um, and and then yeah, and then he, he sort of alludes. The other thing I want to say is he sort of alludes hints at the Church of England's sort of position on this, which is very clear. We, we never actually goes on to to extrapolate what it is. I mean, 
when the last general elections, there was these various abortion pledges that people were seeking MPs to sign, either pro-abortion uh, or against abortion. Um, the, the, and, the, and the Church of England bishops were being pressed on this again. You really have to press them. There was a kind of statement, and 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 it makes it clear the Church of England in this statement, which was issued by one of the bishops of the Church of England, that that you hear things like all abortions are tragedies. So that's that's something of a that's an improvement. All abortions are tragedies. That's quite a big claim. Um, and it talks about principled opposition. Well, that's that's helpful to know. There's a principled opposition. And I think this is what the bishops alluding to, the archbishops are alluding to, hinting at. But it's never really fully unpacked for us. And I think if you were to really push the Church of England position, it is really this principled opposition. But there's this sort of, I think one of the people in the first video talked about this lesser of two evils approach. I think there is very much a strand of thought for the Church of England that in the hard cases, which, you know, we haven't got time to go into now, but mm -hmm. in those hard cases that that maybe it's deemed abortion is the lesser of two evils. Now, whatever one thinks of that position, which, as I say, is, is somewhat different, say, from the Roman Catholic position, whatever one thinks of that position, it certainly isn't a kind of... Um, carte blanche for the for, for the 220,000 plus abortions that are happening every year in this country over 800 every working day it, it it says it's really i think what they're saying is well we are prepared to we are prepared to permit those in the very difficult circumstances the hard cases that affect about two percent of abortions but the actually the 98 percent the majority of abortions that are going on day after day don't come near those you know their own requirements so there's nothing like that clear articulation of you know the general the general position which was the wrongness of abortion and there's no there's very little scriptural or theological engagement as to why that might be there's no real um acknowledgement that this has been the consensus of the worldwide church catholic protestant eastern orthodox eastern orthodox for the past 19 centuries you know it's only in the latter part of the or the middle of the 20th century that there was any kind of divergence on this including from within the church of england of course so there's no there's no admission of any of that it's just this you know well we want to love our neighbors well we all want to love our neighbors um yeah and, and that that whole you know claim well we've been very clear on this since the 80s very clear and yet we just heard from a whole bunch of general synod members uh, and if they don't know who does know i mean these are the Absolutely. sort of inner circle they're right close to the beating heart of of you know um these the house of bishops and whatever else you know confirming or debating doctrine and um they don't know the, the, the total mm. variation um of views between them so it's it's yeah it's one thing to say we've got a clear position but um if it's a state secret and <laughs> no one literally no one can 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 even define what it means like what are those cases you know they say it's in limited cases it may be preferable you know for the abortion to go ahead well what cases no one can tell you it's just it's just not true that it's clear but let me just so i want to now um just read out in full um what i wrote uh to 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 the archbishop in um in really reaction to that video and then what i heard back okay so this is this is a while ago now this is this is tail end of 2019 Dear Archbishop Justin Welby, I'm writing to express my deep concern over your recent response on LBC Radio to the question of buffer zones around abortion clinics. A man who uses a wheelchair was manhandled out of a public space for praying to the God that you worship. Christian Hacking is his name. He was arrested and charges were subsequently dropped. He had harassed no one. He had not even spoken to anyone. He had simply prayed out loud. 
In your LBC interview, you sided against Christian and others like him by supporting buffer zones. Are you aware of the hundreds of women and babies who have been saved from abortion by at clinic presence? I've got a link there to beherefor.me.org. We'll put that in the mm. description, beherefor.me.org. Um, it's got testimonies from women, mothers, parents whose babies have been saved precisely because there was someone outside praying or giving information, offering support. That is exactly why their babies are alive today. Why are you opposed to getting them the help and information um, they will not get from the abortion clinic? Babies are alive today because of this help. Are you saying that these babies should have been killed instead? This is what buffer zones will ensure. You spoke about vulnerable people. What about the babies themselves? Are they not vulnerable and in need of help? You spoke of love. Do the babies not deserve love? Are they not our neighbours too? If Christians had stood and protested or even just prayed as Jews were taken off to be exterminated in Nazi Germany, would you have sided against those Christians too? You also mentioned that the Church of England has had a very clear stance on abortion since the 1980s. Could you please clarify what that is? Your Twitter feed is full of encouragement to pray, but in this case you are opposed to someone praying in a public space in this nation for something that is on God's heart. Are you in favour of freedom of speech and freedom of religion or not? I very much look forward to hearing responses to these questions. Yours sincerely, Dave Brennan. Okay, now um, that was towards the end of November. Um, in early January, I heard back um, from the uh, from the sort of press office. Okay, so let me read this again in full because I want to I want to make sure people um, hear this because uh, this. And then I'm going to show you the impact this has had directly on national policy and, and real lives. Okay, so, dear Mr. Brennan, thank you for your recent letter addressed to the Archbishop of Canterbury. Much as he would like to, the Archbishop is unable to respond personally and in detail to all the hundreds of emails and letters that he receives. And so I have been asked to reply to you on his behalf. Okay, so this is someone who's authorised to speak on behalf of, of the Archbishop. Please accept my apologies for the delay in replying over the Christmas period. Thank you for taking the time to share your concerns in this matter. For the Church of England, every abortion is a tragedy. We recognise that in a limited number of cases, abortion may be morally preferable to any available alternative, but we remain very concerned by the number of abortions taking place and the assumption in some quarters that abortion is just another form of contraception. This is based on our view that the fetus is a human life with the potential to develop relationships, think, pray, choose, and love. We also recognize that there is no consensus about precisely when human life begins in the womb. Balancing the best interests of a mother against the interests of her unborn child is often a hugely difficult matter, reflecting the fallen nature of humanity. We believe that whilst abortion remains legal in the UK, our first priority should be the pastoral care of women who face such heart-rending choices, loving, valuing and respecting them. We should also continue to campaign resolutely against the normalisation of abortion as anything but an unsatisfactory response to tragic circumstances. Those facing challenging or unwanted pregnancies realise the gravity of the decision they face. All abortions are tragedies since they entail judging one individual's welfare against that of another, even if one is as yet unborn. Every possible support, especially by church members, 
needs to be given to those who are pregnant in difficult circumstances and care, support and compassion must be shown to all whether or not they continue with their pregnancy. It is important to recognise that one's right to freedom of speech and protest must be balanced against another's right not to feel intimidated or harassed, particularly at a point where, when they might be feeling especially vulnerable. Permitting protests but at some distance from the entrance to clinics represents an acceptable compromise in a de democratic society. I've attached a file that can be found on the Church of England website that outlines the C of E position on abortion in a series of statements in recent years. This position is largely unchanged since the 1980s. Thank you again for taking the time to write on this important issue. Yours sincerely, Owen Morgan, Correspondence Manager to the Archbishop of Canterbury. And um, Owen Morgan was um, previously a, a pastor of a free church and um, is now um, undergoing ordination into the Church of England. Okay, so that's, that's the response I got back. And then I wrote back to them. But Tim, do you want to jump in at, at, at all at this stage or, or do you want to hear my, my response first? Let's hear, let's hear your response, Dave. Okay, so I, I then wrote back to um, the Archbishop's office in early Feb. Dear Owen Morgan, many thanks for your reply, which I've read and reread and pondered carefully. Some further questions, if I may, for clarification. One. I asked in my original email whether you think the many babies whose lives have been saved by at clinic presence should have been killed instead, since you are against their parents receiving help and information outside clinics. I put those words in italics, help and information, because you seem to be following the mainstream media in misconstruing, quite by accident I'm sure, this at clinic presence as protest. I'm not aware of any pro-life group protesting outside clinics. The only ones I know of in this country either share information about abortion or offer practical help or simply pray. Certainly those in Ealing simply pray and offer help. You replied saying that you are in support of buffer zones which ban not only protest but also the offering of information and help outside clinics and even silent prayer. This means that your answer to my original question is yes you do think those babies should have been killed rather than saved through help and information. You think that innocent babies should have been killed. For example, you think that it was inappropriate that Dee and Robert were given help that saved their son who is alive today. This is a link to the Be Here For Me website, a testimony from a couple called Dee and Robert. If Good Counsel were not there, Good Counsel Networks are a sort of Catholic pro-life organization, if good counsel were not there that day, then we would have gone inside and done the horrible thing. People in situations like we were in need of, um, like we were in, need more support from other people because some people say the baby doesn't exist. But here, as you can see, the baby is in my hands and is playing and we are happy about it. The message therefore from the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Church of England to this dear couple and their precious son is, it is wrong that he is alive. He should have been killed rather than you be offered information or help outside an abortion clinic. I'm very happy to seek this family out and many others like them and deliver that message on your behalf. Please do stop and correct me if your position changes. Two, you say that in a limited number of cases, abortion may be morally preferable to any available alternative. 
I noticed that the Church of England, to my knowledge, has never spelled out what exactly this limited number of cases is. You must have in mind which abortions are acceptable and which are not. Otherwise, this statement doesn't really mean anything. Or if it's intended, simply hand the whole thing over to a definition-free situation ethics where it's up to each individual to decide which abortions are okay and which are not. Again, it renders it meaningless. So please could you spell out which abortions are acceptable and which are not? For example, is it okay to kill a baby in the womb because she's a girl? Or because there are already felt to be enough children in the family? Or because of poverty? Because of career? Because of relationship pressure? Which abortions specifically are morally acceptable in the eyes of the Archbishop and of the Church of England? Three, you say that you recognise there is no consensus about precisely when human life begins in the womb. But in fact, every medical textbook agrees that human life begins at fertilisation, just as dog life begins at fertilisation and cat life begins at fertilisation. Consider, for, this, for example, this paper by an associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. There is no debate around this. All medics and scientists agree that human life begins at fertilisation. It has to. It can't become human at a later point, meaning that it is some other species up to that point. Nor can alive things appear out of things that are not alive. So it is human and it is alive. Human life. Moreover, the Bible is clear, for example, Psalm 51 verse 5, that from conception or fertilization, it is correct to speak of personhood and humanity. David was me from conception. Moreover, he was sinful from conception. How could he be sinful if there was no he? There is clearly human life from conception. And then finally, sorry, now, now even if we agree that there is not 100% consensus in the world on the above, is there consensus on anything? Surely the Church of England takes as its authority on an issue like this, firstly the Bible and secondarily science. Bible and science are absolutely clear that human life begins at fertilisation, conception. Do you agree with this view or disagree with it? Four, you said that you would continue to campaign resolutely against the normalisation of abortion. Could you kindly provide two or three examples of where you have campaigned resolutely against abortion in any way? I noticed that none of the 26 Lords Spiritual, the bishops in the House of Lords, even turned up to vote, let alone debate, against the Northern Ireland Abortion Bill, which seeks to absolutely normalise abortion in Northern Ireland by decriminalising it entirely. 5. You say that those facing challenging or unwanted pregnancies realise the gravity of the decision they face. Could you please help me to see how you've come to this conclusion? Dean Roberts' testimony above stands as one of countless that I've heard where people had no indication of the gravity, partly because they had not been told the truth about abortion. Indeed, surely the only explanation for how one in four babies were aborted last year, more than 200,000, is that many people have absolutely no indication as to the gravity of abortion. Otherwise, they would only resort to it in the most desperate of cases. I'm also interested to hear how your contention fits with the lostness and blindness of human beings. Again, without the light of Christ, do people really understand the moral weightiness of taking their own child's life? It seems that many don't. The shocking thing is that even many Christians do not realise the gravity of the abortion decision. Why does the Church of England say that everyone knows already how serious abortion is? I should be most grateful if you could reply to each of these numbered points. Yours sincerely, David Brennan. And I never heard back again. So, that was my correspondence with the Archbishop's office and it seems to not only um, confirm but um, elaborate really that 
support of buffer zones. Um, anything, anything jump out for you there, um, Tim? No, I mean, uh, it's a great shame. I think you didn't get a full and thorough response really there. But, but I think just going on the on on what was in the first letter from from the Archbishop's office. I, I mean, it's it yeah. There's a sort of cognitive dissonance going on, really, isn't isn't there? As you say, on the one hand, there's this strenuous opposition, but but try to pin them down, mm. tr try to find even the slightest dissent from you know, the narrative that has been shaped by the abortion lobby, by, you know, the mainstream media around these things where, for example, in the BBC or The Guardian, you're not even allowed to say pro-life, you've got to be anti-abortion. And, and and one looks in vain, really. Um, I think there's, there's also, to me, a sad lack of what we might call the prophetic dimension, the prophetic edge to the church's uh, engagement on this issue. You know, I do have to ask myself, you know, when you look at the beginning of Exodus, book of Exodus, Exodus 1, where Pharaoh has this policy of infanticide, you know, so it's this state, state-sponsored, state-supported um, killing of, of, of all the male Hebrew babies. You know, I do wonder what the considered position of the Church of England would have been to Pharaoh's command to all the people to kill the Hebrew baby boys, you know. Certain people do dissent, you know, Shifra and Pua, the midwives who we praise now we hold them up as great examples they were essentially doing what pro-life people are doing today mm. and what pro-life people are being vilified <laughs> for today with and as we've seen with little or no support from the established church you know the 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 church of england part of the deposit of faith the, the main you know thing they should be teaching is the bible and the bible contains scriptures like acts 5 29 that you know, when push comes to shove on these sorts of critical issues, uh, Peter and the apostles say that we must obey God rather than human authority. I, I, I just don't see very much of that in this issue. And I think, you know, you're bringing up of the situation in Nazi Germany is, 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 is a good example where, you know, that was a chance for the church to speak out prophetically. And by and large, the, the established church, um, the German national church didn't. And it was left to a few courageous faithful souls within the confessing church Bonhoeffer and others who 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 spoke out against that evil and and, and paid often the ultimate sacrifice for that but you know where, where yeah where is the prophetic voice from the church certainly where is the 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 episcopal leading on this and and where is this resolute campaigning and and, and resolute opposition that they speak of it's 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 non-existent frankly um and, and i think you gauge that by as you say the conversations with not just people in the street, but members of the Church of England themselves who, who have no real idea where they stand on it or where the Archbishop himself stands on this. So, yeah, I it's think, very I worrying. Think, I think what, what, what grieves me most about the, these responses, um, probably two things. So one is, and I, and I said it in my correspondence, and I absolutely mean it, and, and if anyone thinks this is sort of, you know, exaggeration or, or hyperbole it, it, it really isn't that there are specific babies alive today precisely because they got what they needed outside those clinics um I'll, I'll play another example later on that's why the baby is alive mm. and if the archbishop had had his way earlier if he had managed to ban this kind of activity earlier those babies would have been killed that, that's so th this is 
so this is more than just apathy and you know we we, we think of the the parable of the good samaritan and the priest and the levite pass by on the other side and you know it, it would be um grievous enough if that's what we were doing just passing by on the other side you know not helping um of course jesus doesn't commend the priest or the levite for you know f- for for not having robbed someone themselves you know it's not like okay well well done you haven't had an abortion well done good and faithful servant the point is not just to abstain from acts of violence that the commendation for the good samaritans he proactively did something that was needed he, he brought that help that was needed you know the, the positive command to be a neighbor so the priest and levite are are um not the heroes of the story why because they passed by on the other side but what we're seeing here goes goes a step much further which is to say this priest you know styles himself a priest you know that's that's the sort of lingo isn't it um not only passes by the other side but actually wants there to be a 150 mile radius against the man who fell into the hands of robbers to make sure that no one else can help him either you know it's one thing to it's one thing to say i'm not going to help but it's quite another to say and i'm going to make sure no one helps this guy um and if they do they'll 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 be slapped with a with, with a limitless fine or, or or imprisonment you know this is so not only is this costing lives um and 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 stopping help getting to people it's it's actually it's actually sort of advancing that agenda beyond the law of the land it's, it's agitating for legislative change in the direction of more babies being killed and it being illegal for people even to to offer that help which proves and this is this is shocking but what it proves is that the archbishop is not even pro-choice as opposed to pro-life which would be bad enough he's not pro-choice he's pro-abortion because he's trying to take away that choice he's trying to remove the options of support and life and alternatives where the, the women need it the most he's trying to remove that choice that's that's the thing that really shocks me is it's not even just like hands off let the babies die it's like and i'm going to stop other people intervening and and at least giving the chance of life and that's that's pretty serious to come from the leader of the established church i mean it reminds me of that scripture at the end of romans one you know though they know god's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die mm. they not only do them but give approval mm. uh give approval to those who practice them and, and 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 that is what this is doing isn't it it is giving approval to uh abortion is giving approval to those who practice such things which which let's be clear is the is the killing of children and i just very quickly Dave, want to say something on the the spiritual gravity of the situation because because that also seems a little bit lost in in mm. in the various you know respond to the responses that you had from the archbishop's office that that the you know abortion is a matter of clearly it's a matter of life and death but this is this is a matter of good versus evil i would mm. say and the sacrifice of children is routinely condemned in scripture and, and it's spoken of in the language of abomination you know read leviticus 18 or deuteronomy 18 you, you know sacrificing your own children is is an abomination in in god's eyes and um, whatever euphemism we want to slap on it today um you know it, ezekiel 20 verse 31 talks about you know one's 
relationship, one's prayer life with God being impeded by abortion, by sorry, by child sacrifice. So, you know, the prophet says, God says, shall I be inquired of your house of Israel when you're doing these things, offering up your children in the fire? No, uh, absolutely not. So, so it ruptures a relationship with, with, with God. It's, it's spoken of in terms of innocent blood being poured out. Psalm 106 verse 38, the land is polluted with blood. Now, you know, we don't know how many children um, the, the Israelites killed, how many babies they killed. But I'm not sure it's 10 million, you know, if we've killed 10 million in this country, then to what extent is our land polluted with with blood? And then just finally, one final scripture, Jeremiah 731, where, um, you know, God says to do these things, to to sacrifice your children. I did not command, nor did it come uh, into my mind. Now, the Hebrew word there is, is literally heart. So child sacrifice abortion is actually the polar opposite mm. of god's heart for children which is love which is which is life which is compassion so so it seems and again if 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 this seems like you know we're saying some pretty weighty things it's because i think this is a weighty matter you know yeah. it's almost like in the language of, of isaiah um isaiah 5 20 woe to those who call evil goods and good evil he yeah. put darkness for light and light yeah. for darkness i i think we have to recognize the spiritual gravity of the situation you know not to do so is actually to do a disservice to the unborn uh, children and indeed the women and, and, and girls themselves who are caught up in this in this culture of death you know yeah yeah absolutely you know um it's a it's a saying uh, often quoted you know to do to, you know um uh, to do nothing, to be silent in the face of evil is itself evil. You know, not yeah. to speak is to speak, you know, attributed to, to Bonhoeffer. Um, you know, silence in the face of evil is evil. Inaction in the face of evil is evil. And I'm reminded of another scripture, Jeremiah 23, um, verse 14. Uh, and among the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen something horrible. They commit adultery and live a lie. They strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one turns from his wickedness. And I think there is a, a strengthening of the hands of evildoers yes. here by those who are meant to be the, the sort of, you know, the light in the darkness, you know, the salt of the earth. So so even in subtle ways, you know, when when the archbishop and, and others within the Church of England, and yes, not just the Church of England, it was a problem we've seen all over the place, when they just reinforce the idea that abortion is healthcare. You know, they, they reinforce this idea, you know, the Archbishop even talked about, um, you can say the unborn has rights, i.e. the right to life. You can say that the woman has rights. What, right to an abortion? Is that what you're talking about? The right to kill a, a child? Is that a right now? Is that a human right? Are you, are, you, are you falling into that kind of framing of this issue, that this is a right? Uh, or in the correspondence I got, uh, the right to access this, whatever, healthcare you want to call it, without feeling intimidated or feeling harassed. Now, it's very important, just as an aside, to clarify, harassment and intimidation have been illegal for a very long time, and the abortion lobby wants to keep saying that this is about getting harassment and intimidation away from the clinics. There is no harassment or intimidation near the clinics. How can I tell you that? Because if there had been, we'd have been arrested. You know, it's not like we're not being watched. It's not like there aren't, you know, uh, people out there who who would who would get us arrested at the drop of the hat if we put a foot wrong. But no one ever has. There never has been any harassment or intimidation. It's just silent prayer or praying out loud or offering information or education, whatever. There's no harassment, no intimidation. Okay. Now, to to say that 
they have a right not to feel intimidated. Well, hang on. Okay, now we're moving into a whole different realm. Uh, people can feel whatever they want to feel. And it's been clarified at a European uh, level um, that there is no right not to feel offended because that's a subjective response. You know, you there is a right not to be physically harassed, etc., etc. And that's already been the case in the UK for a long time. But anyway, that's just an aside. The, the, the fact that that framing of what this so-called abortion actually is is being reinforced, that that in itself is enough in terms of strengthening the hands of evil that is calling this healthcare access without being harassed, all that kind of, you know, and, and not to mention the sort of, whilst you're strengthening the hands of evildoers, because they love that, the abortion industry love it, if you join them in calling what they're doing healthcare, when what they're actually doing is killing. And, and, and they also love it if you join in with them demonizing those who are offering ways out and alternatives to this killing. So that, that in itself is strengthening the hands of evildoers, but to literally back legislative change to keep that help away, that's, that's strengthening the hands of evildoers in sort of really, really concrete terms. You know, I think if we were to, to, to think back to, you know, the ancient Near East and, you know, the, the child sacrifice was going on, um, you know, people offering their children to Molech, mm -hmm. uh, passing their children through the fire to this hideous idol, Molech. It's unimaginable that, you know, that the high priest of the time or one of the priests would not only turn a blind eye, but actually prevent people being near that scene so as to try and dissuade and save those children, or even just to pray against what's going on. The priest would actually keep them away. But that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing, you know, so, so protective is, is the archbishop of child sacrifice that he doesn't, he doesn't want any hindrance to be there when it happens. Now, he would no doubt reject what I've just said there. He would say, no, no, it's a tragedy. No, I'm, you know, I value every life. Well, it's our actions that speak loudest. And if he's backing buffer zones, that, that, that shows what's actually going on here. He is preferring unhindered child sacrifice over even just the option of a way out, which, as I say, many uh, mothers and fathers have availed themselves of and, and babies are alive today because of it. Yeah, well, absolutely, Dave. And, and, and I think let's be clear, when the when the pro-abortion side styles itself, you know, the pro-choice, they're not really pro-choice because they don't want these kind of informed choices being made. They don't want any, you know, shred of doubt creeping into the mother's mind. They don't want at the last minute of the abortion not to go ahead. So 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 pro-choice itself is a complete misnomer because, you know, they want the outcome where the maximum possible number of abortions happens. This is this is an industry. You know, let's be very clear about that. So so, yeah, by by siding with the abortion industry, of course, you continue that narrative. Um, and, you know, it was very unfortunate that in the in the House of Lords debate that the Bishop of Manchester used very deliberately, I assume, the language of healthcare to talk about abortion. Uh, he sort of said he, he's, this isn't about the morality of abortion, but then uses the term, you know, a euphemistic term like healthcare, which puts himself squarely within that narrative, within that pro-abortion narrative um, that completely, you know, undermines the church's stance. So, you know, again, this isn't the resolute opposition that we've been uh, promised. Um, it, it's doing the abortion lobby's work for it, really. Yeah. And 
I, you know, and as we've seen, Rachel Clark from BPAS tweeted afterwards thanking him for his clarity and support. So there's there's no doubt, there's no equivocation in their minds what what he was providing for them. You know, mm. much as we saw in the sixties with the with the sixty five report from the Church of England Board of Social Responsibility paving the way, as it were, for David Steele's bill. This is this is yeah, this is the. This is the church, if you like, blessing, giving their, um, you know, imprimatur to this this wretched this wretched piece of legislation, which is which is going to lead to more babies being killed, which is going to prevent the lives saved, which you've talked about, and and this is somehow well, we're pro healthcare. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't make it up, really. Yeah, and and if there's any doubt there in 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 the the minds of listeners as to again, are we are we over egging this? Well. Um, the abortion providers and the abortion lobby themselves uh, don't seem to think so. They, they, recently, they commended, as, as you said, Tim, the the, um, the Bishop of Manchester, and that's in the recent debate about nationalising these yep. buffer zones. They thanked him publicly on Twitter. They clearly consider him as as on board. He's an ally. He's an ally for getting life-saving help and information away from these clinics so as many babies can be killed as possible. That's the Bishop of Manchester. But also, it's it, it's something that um, Mary Stopes International said for a long time. So let me just read you. This is on Mary Stopes International's um, website. Okay, there's a tab um, called Why We Advocate for National Legislation on Abortion Clinic Buffer Zones. Okay, so this is a page that's been standing there for, for a while, but updated in, well, maybe it was only since April 2022, but at least it was edited them so they've been campaigning for us for a long long time and you know it's easy enough to sort of be dismissive they are oh, archbishop who, who cares what he thinks you know um who cares what the church thinks any, anymore but actually the um this page on on mary stopes international's website so that's the, the main abortion provider yeah well one of the main abortion providers worldwide um says says this um that's why the Archbishop of Canterbury himself, Justin Welby, has backed local buffer zones around abortion clinics. People going to abortion clinics, he said in an interview with LBC Radio, that's one we just watched last year, whatever you think of abortion are human beings. The Church of England has a very clear on abortion, but how do we love the people who are going there? Treat them as human beings and value and respect them. And then this is what Mary Stope says. If the government won't listen to us on that point, perhaps they will listen to him. Okay, so that's, that's an abortion provider acknowledging the Archbishop of Canterbury as a more avid supporter and ally than the government currently is. And they're hoping the government, in their eyes, is going to catch up with the Archbishop of Canterbury in getting everything away from those clinics so that they get a monopoly on these women and their babies. So th this is the influence. This is the... And again, it's, it's very much like 1965, take two, because in 1965, the Church of England went ahead of the government and 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 really national opinion you could say and paved yes. the way for the abortion act and here we are again before a lot of people even knew what a buffer zone was the archbishop was backing it the abortion lobby recognized this um just like they did in the 60s they really cashed in on that support because it's a very strong argument if the abortion lobby can say look even the church of england agrees with us you know even 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 the, the church thinks this is a good idea so the message going out to Christians is, look, your leaders already confirmed this. You don't need to worry about this. Leave it with us. And then the rest yeah. of the nation says, OK, well, the church is catching up with the times. So we're all in agreement. This is the impact it has. And this is, again, strengthening the hands of evildoers. It's impactful. It makes a difference. Real lives are are affected. 
as a result. I just vote one very quick caveat or one very quick addition to that, Dave, is is and and you know, we we're we're witnessing perhaps the Church of England or the Anglican Communion at least disintegrating over various issues at the moment with General Synod. But you know, the Archbishop of Canterbury does not only have authority within England, in fact, arguably has more authority in other parts of the world where the Anglican Church is much stronger, is a much uh more vibrant I know that don't get me wrong there's many vibrant faithful Anglican churches in the UK but but the the bulk of Anglicans are living in 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 Central Africa West Africa East Africa and and Mary Stopes International the clue is in the uh, the clue is in the name there they're an international agency you know they want to roll abortion out to to Africa and and all over and so if they can get the the Archbishop to uh of Canterbury to endorse um endorse abortion in those areas where he still has some clout and authority you know that 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 is going to impact the anglican teaching in these other parts of the world so it's incredibly detrimental from that regard but i think you know they know what they're doing mary stairs for sure yeah yeah and we've got to pay attention to what the other side is saying and what you know often i think we we where we're sleepy the abortion lobby is wide awake and where we're complacent they're very intentional and whereas we might sort of let these things wash over us like water off a duck's back, um, it's interesting they've clocked that, you know, and they've got that on their website and they've got it there to stay Absolutely. because they, they consider that to be helpful. Well, I just want to turn our attention uh, slightly um, as we, we sort of draw towards an end soon. Um, we focused a lot, and I think rightly, on, on the impact this has on, on um, the, the babies and their mothers and um and and that's that's absolutely critical but there's there's another element here to the buffer zones which is perhaps more to do with freedom of speech and even freedom of of religion and these are also important things um for us to be talking about and again for the church to be um to be backing i mean for, for very obvious reasons i mean the idea that one has to try and persuade um any any church leader that um, freedom of speech and freedom of religion might might be a good thing to keep hold of. I mean, it's kind of uh, it's in the in the job title, isn't it? I mean, if you're a, it's how long is it till they come for you if um, if they're cracking down on freedom of religion and freedom of speech? But what's happened quite interestingly uh, in the case of of Isabel, we we mentioned this. Let's just um, go over this for those who aren't aware. So Isabel, um, she's a friend of ours. She she's one of the leaders of March for Life. Um, we work together on a few things. Um, she, she's based near Birmingham. And again, this is before the national stuff's actually been rolled out. So this is one of the localized kind of buffer zones. And she prayed silently on her own within the, the zone, um, actually after hours. So the, the clinic wasn't even open at the time. This is sort of 5.30 p.m. or something. And she's praying silently in her head on her own. And, uh, and she's arrested. And she she confesses yep i was praying silently in my head she describes her thoughts at that time and she's essentially charged with with thought crime um and that's what these uh, buffer zones provide for now interestingly um as in the case of christian hacking uh more recently uh, the cps the crown prosecution service ha they want to try and drop this they, they don't want to go there anymore because again uh you don't want to be making international news hauled up at the highest um appeal courts uh because you're trying to arrest someone uh, a woman for praying on her own you know for, for, for a thought crime uh, it doesn't look good um so they're trying to drop it i understand that once these proceedings have have commenced 
and it is your legal right to insist that they are followed through to the end you know you can insist no i do want to go to court let's let's see this through and i believe that is their intention uh and rightly so because we've got to test these things you can't just have that hanging over you sure, sure. and and whoever else is going to maybe one day pray and will they get arrested or not we need to clarify the it law. would be good so, to know as well whether whether you could whether you can go to prison and pay the fine in your head is that sufficient I, yeah you know right, you yeah. punish me can i can i can i just do it in my head yes yeah. you know yeah I'm, I'm thinking myself there yeah yeah i identify as having paid the fine you know or um absolutely but but this is the thing it's it's and interestingly we, we talked with a lawyer while all this was, was brewing and um uh, so freedom again. of thought is one of those absolute rights and uh so all credit to isabel and her team for you know carefully planning this um to have all the facts lined up and you know they've got a really strong case but the, the thing that just interests me on this point is um in backing buffer zones the archbishop is not only keeping life-saving help away from these babies these precious bearers of god's image he's also supporting religious persecution which is quite interesting because on the one hand i don't know if you've seen this tim but of course he He's wanting to kind of foster, at least um, on the appearance of things, foster this really close relationship with the Roman Catholic Church. But when a Roman Catholic gets arrested for praying uh, in his own country, he's nowhere. He's nowhere to be found. In fact, he backed that law. Yes. I mean, that's quite interesting in terms of I'm, I'm, my my historical. You're on your own now. Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's ever. I mean, obviously during the Reformation there was a lot of stuff going on, but I don't think it's ever been illegal to pray silently. I don't think anyone's ever been arrested in this country for, for silent prayer no it, it's desperate and I, and I think as we should also say as you know the, the very valid point very astute point that christian hacking made where is where is it in our country that prayer is first banned well it's in the places where children are being killed children are being sacrificed i mean that is a exactly right and that's a key spiritual insight that plays into all of this and i think we just have to keep keep bearing all these things in mind but yeah it, it i mean it, it is extra we are living in extraordinary time and you kind of think oh no, it's not going to go that far. And then in a few weeks time, it's gone even first. Well, I mean, if you can get arrested for, for your silent thoughts, then, I mean, there's not much left. I mean, okay, it's localized, mm -hmm. but <laughs> how long before those, you know, how, how long before the, those zones just get expanded until, you know, you're only allowed to think what you want to think in the privacy of your own your own room. And then, and then what? Um, interesting uh, breaking news just today um, is another chap, um, uh, a Catholic priest, um, who goes by by the the name Father Sean? In fact, I was he was at this event as well on, on Saturday, in the Midlands. He also has is facing um, court for, for for praying, um, and 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 as I, as I mentioned, for having a bumper sticker saying "Unborn Lives Matter" on on the back of his car, which he had before the PSBO was was passed. He's he's facing criminal charges for a bumper sticker saying "Unborn Lives Matter," and again. Sorry to bang on about it, but that's what the Archbishop of Canterbury supports, that, that a Catholic priest has been arrested for having a bumper sticker saying unborn lives matter, which is apparently what the Church of England thinks as well. Um, but they also want that to be a criminal offence. I mean, this is this is crazy, but this is what's happening. Retroactive prosecution. But, but, but you know, also... What, what what does it yeah one one thinks a little bit of you know this is what we fought two world wars for <laughs> aren't you delighted to live in such a free and glorious country but also when we when we talk about exporting democracy to the world you know the invasion of iraq and things like this and you think well what what is exactly this democracy that we're, we're wanting to export it's not you know at times it's not worth the you know uh, 
yeah i think mm. we just have to keep calling this stuff out dave keep challenging it keep pushing it through and sadly it's going to i think it is going to require legal action at times but 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 you know almost reducing it to absurdity helping people see what is it that they are buying into what what is it that we are that we are allowing folks to do really or allowing our government and lord house of lords to do really it's, yeah yeah, and and that and that's very much the intent of this, not only this episode but this whole podcast. You know, I think I want people to understand um, that we are we're doing all we can to approach this in the sense of you know we were praying just before this podcast. Look, you know, there but the grace of God go I. You know, anything we can see, any any goodness in us is just by the grace of God. We're not the purpose of this episode and these podcasts is not to try and point the finger or whatever. We, we're actually we're trying to expose what's costing lives. We're trying to expose what is actually um chipping away at the the essential freedoms of our nation and we actually want to again we want to call out to 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 justin welby and to others in in these influential positions please see um what this what's really going on here please see the gravity of this issue please see the impact of the positions that you're that you're taking and and there is no neutral ground when it comes to this you know when it comes to the killing of babies when it comes to the chipping away of for example, freedom of speech. These are devastatingly important things. And uh, I mean, simply standing to one side is enough to, to let them accelerate, but to actually put your hand to the to, to, to those seeking to to accelerate them deliberately. I mean, of course that does even more. Yeah. I, and I just, just say as well, Dave, you mentioned about the freedom of thought being a kind of absolute, you know, right, an inviolable kind of right. I would say, you know, the right to life, you can't get much more essential yeah. than that because if you're not alive none of these none of these you know rights freedoms matter at all do they and so that yeah. is why i guess we are so exercised about this particular issue because you know if, if someone isn't allowed to live then all these wonderful freedoms mean nothing to them really yeah. and so i think we have to bear that in mind as well absolutely yeah. just to be close i want to i want to turn our attention back to that you know the, the, the what this is really about the most important thing that's going on here we are talking about the lives of innocent children, yeah. the bearers of God's image. I just want to play this short um, video that I was quite touched by. This is um, okay. So this is this is from March for Life, and this is um, a testimony from one of these many, many mothers, fathers, who are giving thanks for the help they've been given outside these clinics. Okay, so I'm just going to play this short clip um, to to remind us. Um, and and if, if if people still aren't getting this, what why are we banging on about this? Okay, this is why. Watch this. Listen to this. This is this is why this is a big deal. We heard that they want to put um, buffer zones outside of these abortion centres to stop people praying. Um, I don't necessarily agree with this. I don't see any problem with peaceful prayer. Um, it wasn't intimidating to us at all. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. It was comforting. Um, had Danny not had that one person there that one day, um, I don't think he would have had the strength to have texted me and told me to come out, that we can do this. Um, and we did do it. I did come out and we had all of the help we needed um, with no intimidation or pressure or anything. There is absolutely no need for buffer zones. Um, and in fact, I think it's more... Um, a comfort for somebody who would be even there by themselves if they came out and there's nobody there they're going to go back in 
um, whereas they could come out and somebody could be there and offer them all of the support that they need. And that's what it's about. And that story is repeated a hundredfold, maybe a thousandfold. There are hundreds at least who have been saved just like that, just like that precious family um, from this route. And that's and that's what we're talking about here. And if, if this message can get to Justin Welby, which is appealing to you, can you look at that child, look at that baby boy and reconsider? Is is this really your position that you want to say, look, that, that baby's life, I'd rather the help wasn't there. It's about choosing life, isn't it? You know, it's right there in the book of Deuteronomy, choosing life. This is a this is this is what it's about. This is why these people go there. This is why the pro-life movement, you know, exists. That that many, and by God's grace, all would, would actually choose not to kill their, their child or children, but to choose life. And, and right. this is what is being taken away. And, and we think of you know Proverbs twenty-four, that those famous verses, rescue those being led away to, to death, you're staggering towards the slaughter. What could be a, a more immediate and literal kind of application or sort of um, scenario in which those words ring true than, than, than that little family there staggering towards the slaughter and thank God there was someone there um, to give them a way out. So this is, this, is, um, this is why it matters. And I just want to urge people listening to this, if you haven't you know, talk to your church leadership about where they stand on buffer zones, let alone abortion. You know, we need to talk about buffer zones because this is this is where the rubber's hitting the road for so many. This is where the lives are. But, but you know, I want to finish with, um, as, and as well as church leaders, please write to your, um, you know, your MPs. A lot of MPs are, are being taken in by by this rhetoric of, you know, it's access to healthcare, it's about stopping intimidation mm. and so on. But I, I just want to finish, as I often do when it comes to buffer zones, with a, with a challenge that still, still right now, the greatest threat to life-saving activity, such as this outside clinic stuff, the greatest threat still, and even if the law goes through and changes, the greatest problem still will be the buffer zones in our hearts. It's still... It's still all the stuff we are able to do legally. And that's what Isabel said on the weekend, actually. she Someone asked, oh, you know, should we go and break the law? She said, you know what? There's a whole load of places in the UK you can still pray and help people and advocate for life totally legally. And, and we're not doing it. You know, it's like there, there are so many clinics right now that have no one outside them, even though it's still allowed legally. So let's, let's as, as much as we need to stand up and campaign against um, this legislative change, we also need to... Um, acknowledge um, the, the 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 sort of those barriers, uh, those fear barriers in our own hearts, and that so often what's stopping us getting help to those women is actually not a problem out there; it's a problem in here. Amen. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you so much, Tim, for for joining us today, and thank you everyone for listening. Um, and if you've uh, found this helpful. Um, if you think these messages are important, can you help us get the message out there? Can you, uh, apparently liking the videos really helps just to boost their kind of searchability online. So more people will hear about this if you just, I mean, it takes half a second, just like this video. If you can comment, if you can share it with people, send it to, to friends, family, whatever. Um, and, uh, and of course do subscribe. We're really grateful for your support. Do tune in uh, next week as we continue uh, to speak about abortion. Thank you so much.